This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. Matt and Monday podcast this week, Tim Benz and Mark Madden. No Steelers game to recap from Sunday. We've all been wallowing in it since Thursday after they lost the New England Patriots at home at Acrisure Stadium. Simply put, the worst five-day stretch in franchise history. I can't think of another parallel to draw uh, from their history to exemplify how bad they were in those two games against the Cardinals and against the New England Patriots, Mark Madden joining me right now to talk about it from 105.9 The X. And, of course, you can read them four times a week here at Trib Live. Mark, uh, on days like this when the Steelers have an odd game, like a Monday night game or a Thursday game, maybe even a Sunday night game, uh, usually feel compelled to watch and track how the other teams in the AFC are doing, affecting their playoff hopes and so forth. I, I couldn't bring myself to do it this Sunday. I mean, even if they do squeak in, I feel like they don't deserve it after the way things went this week, um, I eyeballed it. I, I kept track here and there, but I just, I, I can't, I don't have the gumption right now to invest myself in this team. Well, I watched the end of the Baltimore LA Rams game, the overtime, the punt return that won it for the Ravens. Other than that, I've not watched at all. Uh, yeah, if the Steelers get into the playoffs, they'll get slaughtered in the first round. You, you can't say they don't deserve it because after 17 games, the standings say what the standings say. But it's not a good football team. And they just lost to two two and ten teams. First time that's ever happened in NFL history where a team with a record over five hundred lost consecutive games to teams that had records eight games or worse below five hundred. So that speaks for itself. And, you know, my worry, well, not worry because who cares, but if they do make the playoffs, people think everything's okay and they're not that far away. And, Tim, they are so far away. They are so far away from anything even remotely significant, so far away from even remotely having a respectable team, and Tomlin's so far away from being a good coach. There's a difference between being so far away, as you're describing, and so far away from the playoffs, and in a league where nearly half the teams make the playoffs – and in a league that is designed to make as many teams between seven and nine wins as possible, they aren't that far away from that. They're in that, but that cheapens the accomplishment to the degree that I don't feel like it means anything, despite what the national media may try to tell us. Well, and especially where the national media just uses this to prop Tomlin up. To say, I mean, Kimberly Martin, whose nickname is Kmart, I think that's because of her name, but it should be because... That's where she ought to be working. Y'all don't know how many teams would scoop up Tomlin and quickly, too, if he was available. Actually, I do know, and I wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, maybe he'll be a good coach somewhere else. He's just not a good coach here anymore. This team is, is rudderless. It's leaderless. It just has nothing positive about it except the fact that somehow it happens to be seven and six. I hate that argument. The he might get a job somewhere else in five minutes. Of course he would. I mean, 
a third of the league will probably turn over its coaches. You can only hire so many other people's offensive coordinators for crying out loud. Yeah, he's going to get a job somewhere else. You know who else got a job somewhere else immediately after he was fired? Dan Bilesma. You know who else got a job somewhere else immediately after he was fired? Andy Reid. It worked out great for Reid somewhere else. Didn't work out for Bilesma. Worked out okay for both organizations that let those guys go, though. Well, here's the other thing, too. People talk about trading Tomlin, or if he, you know, did get fired or left via mutual agreement, you know, he could get a job somewhere else, and he could. But is he going to go to Washington? Is he going to go to Carolina? Is he going to agree to go to a team that has a terrible infrastructure, no hope? And how would he do once he got there? Yeah, he'd get a job. Of course he'd get a job. But I don't think Super Bowl contenders would just shove their coaches aside to bring in Mike Tomlin. I want to see, and this would be the compelling thing for us to watch, Mark, I think, is if he and Belichick are both on the open market at the same time, like, who do the Chargers take with Herbert? Because that would be the best possible spot to land because they've got a quarterback there. Yeah, well, Tomlin's not a quarterback's coach or an offensive guy. So I would assume they'd want to go with Belichick, but I think Belichick's way, way, way past it. Um uh, you know, the thing with Tomlin and, and this constant overrating of him by the national media, if you look at Mike McCarthy and the record he's posted, his his accomplishments and record are almost identical to Tomlin's. And he, you know, switched teams, and the team he left did worse, and the team he went to is doing, you know, pretty good, although unless the Cowboys win the whole thing, which they never do, then they're always seen to have underachieved. But every time Mike McCarthy puts a foot wrong, even remotely, uh, it's time to think about firing McCarthy. And Tomlin has just made an utter hash out of this season, not to mention 2018, 19, and 20. You know, all seasons in which he presided over collapses late in the year, and nobody ever talks about getting rid of him. Why is that? And we know, but we can't say. Well, there's two reasons. There's what we can't say, and then there's the Roonies, because they just don't do that. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean you can't call for it, and people don't. Like, like, like that's the thing about the debate over getting rid of Tomlin. It's not so much that there's a debate. It's the fact that the people on the Tomlin side act like those of us who think it's time for him to go are utterly idiotic and just, just, just brain dead to think that. Like Rich Eisen with his out-of-your-freaking-minds monologue, which, by the way, I'm kind of glad... Enough people pushed back on him that he felt the need to answer it on his show, uh, up to and including showing one of my tweets call him out for it. Because I was, I mean, like, I don't get offended easily, and I guess I wasn't offended, but I was pissed off because that was the exact narrative that he was pushing. Anybody from Pittsburgh is some yokel hillbilly for pointing out Tomlin's flaws. I don't think it's all that hard to look at what will be this year, likely, 13 out of 17 years without playoff victories and say, that's not good. Well, I think what Tomlin's done too is, and I don't know whether this will ever be writ into the annals of NFL history or Steelers history, but he's been so bad after his first four years. He's coming close to invalidating those first four years. Uh, his record after winning a Super Bowl and getting another with Bill Cowher's players, with Bill Cowher's leaders, with Bill Cowher's culture. None of that was as noticeable then as it is now, the further you get away from it. 
Yeah, and I was one that used to roll my eyes at the whole, you know, he only won with Cowher's players thing. But the further you get away from it, the more the lens focuses on it, to your point. Yeah, and it's true. He, he hasn't done much without those guys. And it's especially true with the leadership and the culture. Now, I think stuff like that's overrated. You never hear that a winning team had bad leadership or that a losing team had good leadership. Mark Messier is supposed to be the greatest leader in hockey history, but the last seven years of his career, he didn't make the playoffs. So what did he forget how to lead or were those teams just not very good? But you look at the culture that was originally anchored when Tomlin took over by guys like Farrier, Fanica and Pulamalu. And then it just went to this nonstop parade of dipsticks like AB and Le'Veon Bell and, Juju and Chase Claypool and now Pickens and Deontay who are so clearly me first and you might just say okay well wide receivers are that way but no one on the Steelers is calling those guys out like Cam Hayward and TJ Watt they're not leaders they pretend to be leaders they're talked up as leaders but Clint Hurdle the former Pirates manager had an interesting tweet Tim I don't know if you saw it But Clint said, and this wasn't in reference to the Steelers, but said, you can't have the coach or manager telling guys, hey, we don't act that way around here. We don't do things like that around here. It needs to come from another player unless it's me or it's meaningless. Well, that does not come from the other players with this uh, culture of the Steelers, where it definitely did in the Pulamalu, Farrier, Fanica, etc. era. Wait a minute, Hurdle tweeted that not related to the Steelers at all? He just put that out there for the sake of, what was it, what was it in reference to, do you know? I didn't even notice, Tim. Maybe it was in reference to Steelers, but I saw it as a standalone. Hey, real quick, Mark, since we brought up baseball here, before we get to hockey, what do you make of Shohei Otani for $700 million to the Dodgers? Well, I think it points out the grotesque disparity in baseball. The, the financial difference between the good teams and the bad teams, I'm I, I'm, I'm, not going to grouse about it. I mean, you know, I, I know the Pirates can't win. I didn't need this contract to remind me of that. Oh, oh I bet uh, they had $600 million mark. They came up just short. 698 is what I was yes, told. Yes, exactly. But, um, but, yeah, you see, baseball has really pulled a fast one on everybody, and it manages to fool a lot of the people. They've taken a system – that is really top-heavy financially, where X amount of teams are going to get in the playoffs over and over and over again because the money they spend. But they've expanded the playoffs a great deal, and the more layers of playoffs you add to him, the more something fluky can happen, like Arizona getting into the World Series. Because I see people, and we've seen that since it happened, well, if Arizona did it, the Pirates can do it. And that's because, again, all those layers of playoffs can occasionally lead to fluky results and just often enough where baseball could point to those and say, uh-huh, see? You know, one thing that cropped up when I was looking at the bottom line that he signed for was, and I feel strange using this word worth, but I mean, is he worth $700 million if he's no longer effective as a pitcher or can't pitch much longer into the future? I don't think he's worth $700 million just as a hitter. That's what you're asking. That's what I'm asking, yeah. No, no, he's not. Not even anywhere close to that. But he is worth a lot as a guy who sells merch, marketing, you know, big uh, Asian-American community in Los Angeles. I mean, mm-hmm. they'll get the money back and then some for sure. 
if the Pirates do absolutely nothing, as I presume that they will in free agency, what does that do to any sort of momentum that they built by closing strong and getting well above their expected win total last year? They don't care. I mean, it. it, it I don't see why we should care if they don't. <laughs> well, that's, that's fair, and that's largely how I've approached my opinions and coverage of the team since 2015. Tim, their big get this season, this offseason, is they traded for a pitcher who had surgery on the nerves of his pitching arm. Okay, that's their big get. So, I mean, if they don't care, I don't care. I mean, that's why I so rarely talk about them except to ridicule them. I refuse to play their game. Are you getting to that point when it comes to the Penguins' power play? No, I'll keep playing that game. (laughs) For how much longer and what new can you say, though, at this point? Well, nothing. They're, they're not going to change their approach. So, you know, good for them. They believe. I don't. I mean, it's one of those rare situations where if one of them asks me, do you think you know more about this than we do? I would reply, yes, absolutely I do. They've now lost four in a row. They've lost five of six. They've got Arizona coming in. By the way, that's all of a sudden now a sneaky, compelling game, Mark, especially with Logan Cooley coming back. Yeah, and Flower the next week, right? Flower is uh, oh Minnesota, yeah. Monday the 18th is when Flurry is coming. Yeah, back. he's on my show this Wednesday, so we'll have a, a Flower sighting, just like we had a Logan Coley sighting on my program last week. Uh, yeah, uh, I, you know, I'm not mad about like the citizens always think this can be fixed. That let's make a coaching change because that's worked in 09 and 16. I wouldn't do that, by the way. I would wait till season's end, and then if they don't make the playoffs. There could be no hard feelings or no questioning getting rid of the coach. And then you have to go to the core three and say, hey, we're heading in a different direction. Do you want to be part of this or do you want to go? But I do wait till the end of the season to do that. Although part of that would, you know, be accelerated at the trade deadline if they're out of it, because you've got to trade Jake Gensel at the deadline. If you're out of the playoff race, you've got to trade Jake. And I might try to move Carlson then too. But, but, but my point is you can't win forever. And once they decided to keep Gino and Latang and Crosby, but especially Gino back in 1819 when you could have traded him for big return, this team was always going to go splat. And here we are. And I know how the metrics talk about what they're doing five on five. I know what the difference is between their productivity five on five versus the power play. But I mean, they've only scored three goals in the last three games. I, I can't even go back far enough. Gosh, what was it? Columbus on the 14th of November, the last time they scored five goals. You know, they just, they don't score. They've, they've got all this alleged offensive talent and they don't score. Tim, I understand the metrics and those who, who pound them. And I, and I think they are with great value. But I've been going to Penguin games since 1967. I've seen a lot of bad teams, and they look like this. In terms of effort, in terms of where are you going with that? Well, the weird thing about the effort is it's the bottom six guys um, that don't give effort. Not just bottom six, but like the the guys who are on the margins. Like like Nylander came up, right? Mm -hmm. He's been going up, down, up, down since he became Penguin property, correct? And and. The last couple games, he gave, like, zero effort. And I'm, like, thinking, wow, you're trying to stay here and you don't understand that at the very least effort's required? And he wasn't alone in that regard. Remember Bobby Farnham? Yes, yes. Bobby Farnham would kill himself every game he played for the Penguins. Wasn't any good, but he went nuts out there. And these guys, they have up and down, third line, fourth line, they just don't feel it like that. 
Yeah, you know what, Mark? Like, I'm so down on the Steelers right now, but at the same time, I can't give up... Well, I guess I can give up hope. But I, I'm emotionally connected to them getting to the playoffs and extending this thing because I just don't want to turn my attention to the Penguins right now with the way that they're playing. Well, Pittsburgh does have a divine right to have competitive teams all the time. Uh, I've lived throughout eras where none of the teams were competitive, and if that's what we're headed into, I'm used to it. I did sports talk radio for eight months with no sports, Tim. I'm not really bothered by this. Mark, you're going to see Steve Byrne tonight. What else do you have in the holiday calendar coming up? Uh, not a lot around the holidays, per se. I'm going to Vegas next month to see the Penguin game there. But, yeah, Steve Byrne. Uh, Red Beach is playing a show at Jurgles on Wednesday, but I have a Penguin viewing party. But I have it in Cranberry, so I might be able to catch the end of the Reb show because the two locations are not far apart. But basically, I just try to get the holidays over with uh, – not really a big holiday guy as my years advance. Mark Madden, uh, his years will advance at least through this holiday season. We're all hoping for that, Mark. Even if things go awry for the Penguins and Steelers, we'll both be there at the end to preside over whatever happens to them in the future. And I think it's going to be ugly. Hey, maybe the Penguins will rally and still make the playoffs. I mean, there's a lot of games to be played. It's just so hard to make up ground because of the loser point. But, like, look at New Jersey and Buffalo. New Jersey is supposed to be way up there this year. They're not very good. That injury to Jack Hughes held him back, and Buffalo's not near with uh, near the ascension people thought. So there's a lot that can still happen, but but clearly the Penguins have been on a downward cycle for quite some time, and uh, I just hate this notion. Well, you know, when they fire the coach, they win the cup. You've got to <laughs> fire the coach. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Sullivan's in his last year here, and that's not because he's a bad coach. It's because the message is just lost, and it's time to have a new coach with what's going to be a new group real soon. Dubas wasn't brought in to make the most out of the core three. He was brought in to pick up the pieces after the core three. But stuff like this doesn't upset me. I mean, when Lemieux stopped playing, they still had a team. This is just the cycle of being a fan. And if you can't live with it, then you never were a fan in the first place. Fire two coaches, get one free. Holiday special. How about that? Well, there's a difference between Fire and Sullivan and Tomlin. I think Sullivan was a real good coach, probably still is, but he's just gotten stale in this situation in a sport that dictates coaches hitting an expiration date more than any other. I don't think Tomlin ever was a good coach. I think when you look back at the history of his career, you're going to say this guy did a lot with somebody else's players, leaders, and culture, and then it went to hell after that. He'll still get in the Hall of Fame for a lot of reasons, but he doesn't deserve anywhere near it. He should have to buy a ticket to get into Canton. Mark Madden, he's on 3 to 6, Monday through Friday on 105.9 The X. Check us out, Madden Benz Unfiltered at 9.30 a.m. on Monday morning. This is Breakfast Benz, the Fans First Network. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.